0: In the name of Jesus you have sins this is your daily life uh, tonight has been a uh, a little bit of your life reduced uh, to one evening where there is sin and confession and forgiveness and round and round we go you have sins you sin because you're a sinner Sinners sin. It is not the other way around. That's worldly thinking to say it is sinning that makes you a sinner. Sinning does not make you a sinner. You're a sinner. And so then you sin. A bad tree produces bad fruit, says Jesus. You have sins. You know that. But do you really? Sure, there are the sins we know, but then there's the whole host of sins you don't know. We live many days of our lives in the delusion that we haven't sinned that much, if at all. Those sins we are not aware of are the bigger problem. The undetected, undiagnosed cancer is far more dangerous than the one that's caught. We should actually be more afraid when we can't think of any sins. Our flesh blinds us to our sins, even more so to our sinful condition. Our sinful flesh says, because I don't know of anything against me, I'm good. That's the arrogance of our flesh. But what you don't know, God knows. And so, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So, to remedy the problem, the Lord preaches his law. He preaches his law to and through Moses. The main reason he does this is to reveal our sin, to increase our trespasses, to make our sinful condition sinful beyond measure. The hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, which we sung this past Sunday, puts it this way, The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. Sin is hidden unless God makes it known through the law. The Lord Jesus makes His law known through His preachers, whether that's Moses, or Joel, or Jonah, or any other prophet, or His apostles, or His pastors. Through them, the Lord preaches His law to show you that you're not as good as you think you are, and that you're far worse off Than you could possibly imagine. Pick a commandment, any commandment. Each question of the confessional mirror drives you to consider your place in life, your daily life, according to the Ten Commandments. And then you will see, and you have seen, how you have fallen short of the glory of God. Have I killed my neighbor with thoughts of anger, contempt, or hatred? Have I been greedy when it comes to returning to the Lord a generous portion of my money as a thank offering? Have I found ways of explaining in the best possible way those works or actions of others that hurt me? Have I longed for the wealth, honor, happy life, or what seemed to be the ease of others? Each commandment, question, a call to confess. But why? Why do we confess our sins? Hmm. Well, God demands repentance. Return, he says in Joel. But as sinners according to our flesh, you have uncircumcised ears, stony hearts, unfeeling souls, undiscerning minds and weak flesh. No ability in ourselves to return. So, the Lord sends preachers to cause His people to return. People never have much use for preachers. It was true in Bible times and true today. Today, we've all been affected by the prevailing cultural delusion of that you're master of your own destiny. So you don't really need a preacher, non-essential worker. Even most preachers don't have or seek preachers of their own. Most Christians think you, your Bible, and Jesus is the recipe for salvation. But since none of us, none of us really read our Bibles like we should, it's more you and your idea of Jesus. But the Jesus of the Bible doesn't actually work that way at all. He sends preachers. He sent the prophets, the apostles, and continues to send out his chosen men today. He sent his prophet Joel. He sent Nathan to David and Jonah to Nineveh. Again, the Lord sends his preachers to cause his people to return. The word they preach does what it says. God's word always creates. It creates the reality it says. Let there be light. There's light. When the Lord says, return, his people return. When they don't, that's why Jesus in the Gospels marvels at their unbelief. But let's consider a couple examples Psalm 51, which we used earlier in the service, should remind us of how this works. Because Psalm 51 is a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. That's what David writes himself for that psalm. When Nathan came, David was was told You are the man who deserves to die. Confronted with such a word, David confesses, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan absolves him. Yahweh has put away your sin. You shall not die. So also Nineveh was brought to repentance by the preaching of Jonah. So now we return to confession. That is, to the Lord's gifts, really all of them, uh, those delivered by his ministers, but for tonight, confession and absolution. Why then do we confess our sins? We often focus on the confession. If it's about your confessing, better get to it. And better not leave anything out. If you do... Better go count for it later. When forgiveness is dependent upon confession or thought of in this way, you can see how the medieval misunderstanding happened, that you need to confess every single sin or end up in purgatory for a longer amount. We don't need we we and more than that, huh, we don't think we need to confess. Most of the time, we just shrug off our sins, or try to. No Jesus in sight with that way of doing things. Then time just makes another sin layer to our already craggy hearts. Do we even want to do better? Not really. I am who I am, we think. Just the way it is. Take it or leave it. God loves me just the way I am. No. No, he doesn't. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed to shed his blood and die. He wants to make you new. So fine, sure we'll confess before God, I guess. When it's demanded, but before the pastor? Where's that? No way, I don't need him. The not Lutheran, me and Jesus crowd of the Reformation did that too. But it's really just the one place you can go where the guy will say, your sins are all forgiven. You see, pastors, just like the prophets and apostles of old, are sent to deliver the forgiveness for your sins. But we are afraid of our sins. We want to keep them hidden hidden from everyone. We want to hide them from God. When we pray for forgiveness, we often just ask in general, not necessarily for something specific. We don't want to name it. We're so afraid. But it is all about forgiveness. That's the only reason we have it. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Jesus is forgiveness. The forgiveness he achieved at Calvary. He delivers it right into your ears. You are not limited to the one-way conversation of prayer. In fact, an answer for that prayer for forgiveness is the absolution. So, You have already been forgiven for all your sins earlier this evening. Here again, I announce, pick a sin, any sin. I forgive you all your sins in Jesus' name. It's not conditional. It's absolute. The Lord isn't saying, I finally forgive you because you finally confessed. No, faith confesses because we believe We will be and are already forgiven. Old Adam then chimes in. Oh, good. Then I don't need anything else. I don't need to do it at all. I'm good. See how he wants you to stay away from Jesus' promises? But when it's all about forgiveness, boy, the new man will come a-running to drown the flesh in the promises of baptism, to strike him death and dumb with the absolution and gospel sermons to choke him to death with the body and blood of Jesus. When it's about forgiveness, confession is more like telling the doctor symptoms to get the right medicine. The pastor's final medicine is always Jesus' forgiveness. You aren't forgiven because you confess or because you know your sins or because you feel them in your heart because you're really, really sorry. No, you are forgiven for Jesus' sake alone. It's all His death for you. His paying for your sins, winning forgiveness for you. And that's the thing revealed in Joel. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. And the Lord answered, I will give you oil and grain and wine, and you will no more be a reproach among the nations. Of course, that's what he does, and he will give you mercy. He will leave a blessing and grain, offering and drink offering for you. He will drop it right into your lap, or rather, right into your ears. I forgive you all your sins in Jesus' name.